0: Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. So hi. My name is Sharon. Uh, I am a compulsive overeater and addict, and am so thrilled that I got asked um, And uh, I, uh, I could not say no to Lewis. Uh, one of the nice things about Zoom is like, oh shit, he wants me to speak and then knowing that there are three books that I'm gonna use because it's easier than me trying to figure out what to say. First of all, um, I guess I should run some stats. Um, no, first I should tell you that what I say is my stuff. My experience, if it resonates with you, great. If it doesn't, go to other meetings, listen to other speakers. Um, So um, I am 72 years old. On Thanksgiving 1989, I was laying on my couch, passed out from Thanksgiving. um, And it was uh, customary for me to do the Thanksgiving meal for my friends because I figured if they could tolerate me for a year, at very least, I would cook a spectacular dinner, which I did. Everybody brought a bottle of champagne, which they did. Uh, we had plenty of pot and coke for uh, the dessert's dessert. And uh, this one particular Thanksgiving, I was laying on the couch, passed out, where this aberration of this woman named Esther, who had been dead by that point, 12 years, she was an adult to me. And Esther is was kind of sort of around my mom's age and Esther battled her weight her entire life. She had done all those schemes. Um, she was a Tupperware dealer and I understood that later, but I had this, and she's the only grown-up that I ever talked to beyond therapists about who understood what it was like to drive around in the car with a can of, of nuts underneath the driver's seat and how pulling the, the ring can thing, you know, to open that up was like pulling the pin on a hand grenade. And I knew what would blow up following that. And all of a sudden there was this, I'm telling you guys like the freaking movies. And this is how I knew I was really loaded. So I'm laying on the couch passed out and there is this like, woo kind of thing of Esther. And all, and, and it was like this, this aberration of Esther appeared saying, don't suffer, go to OA. And she was gone. And that quick. So I thought it would be like any other diet thing. Um, I better get used to not eating very much. And then um, so it was in, on a whatever day of the week it was. Um, and then it took me about a week before I finally went to a meeting. And there was a newcomer meeting at the YMCA out at Stonestown, And I walked in there and I thought, what the hell is wrong with these people? Because they were all thin. And they talked in a language I totally did not understand, which was good because then later when I did uh, newcomer meetings, I made sure I explained some of the nomenclature because we have our language, and um if if I am a new person and I came in i as i was i was i was just I was daunted, so I weighed a little over two seventy two I was smoking cigarettes, smoking dope um I had pretty much at that point stopped doing, um, cocaine and speed just because of price. And I just was getting too crazy and, um, was still smoking pot and like the guillotine came down and I stopped everything, but the cigarettes took me another month and a half. And, um, if you got anywhere near me, I mean, within five feet, um, of me, I would start to vibrate and freak out because I felt so vulnerable and so raw. I would imagine it being like a burn victim who has no skin. I mean, everything pulsed. There was something fundamentally wrong with me because at night I used to go to bed. Being grateful, this is where my prayer came in. Thank you, God, that I live so close to UCSF. Because I I was sure that between the food, the drugs, and the alcohol, I was going to have a heart attack. Uh, I didn't, thank God. and you know, step two talks about uh, you know the that we're restored to sanity. Well, I have to tell you, so this was right after Thanksgiving, and my birthday is at the very beginning of January. No sane person goes into recovery during that time. That is the last heyday, and yet there I was being insane. Uh, so um, I came in to that meeting in Stonestown. It took a while, another week before I went to another meeting. Uh, it was at the library at Grace Cathedral, which was an amazing room. I mean, that room had a sense of spirituality. I mean, we're talking about books that were centuries old. And I mean, it was just pretty cool. And there were about six people. And one of those people, one of those persons uh, is still in the rooms today. And I used to give her a ride home and I would say, Oh, I'm never going to do yada, yada. And she'd say quietly, yes, you will. And then I would make all these, I will never do this. Yes, you will. And yes, I did. Um, Then I I got a sponsor I went to the, uh, there, was, there was this group called the Commitment to Abstinence. Uh, and they met once a month and it was this massive meeting that was in the basement at, at Davies Hall. And then once a year, they put on these uh, Commitment to Abstinence days at USF. And uh, there was a woman there who talked about sponsorship and she had a tremendous sense of humor because that was one of my things I thought I was going to lose by coming into the rooms. Um, there was uh, another person who spoke about image and then the woman that I um, would ask to be my sponsor uh, told me I had to come there early and do service with her. And I am gonna mention someone by name in the meeting which is not my normal MO because I am really adamant about traditions but she is a member of our, uh, I'll frame it so you can fill in the blank and you'll figure it out. Um, She's very active. She generally does a lot of service, um, had a kidney transplant and she was there at that meeting sold me my for today book. And she had a boa around her neck of raffle tickets. And she was like my program sister. And we are still in these rooms together today. And there's something about that solidarity. Um, you know, just like on the Friday nights that I used to see Lewis with his uh, band of boys. And um, I quoted one of the guys this morning because I was actually asked to speak at my AA meeting. Um, who And I can't remember who said it. Um, I know it wasn't Lewis. I know it wasn't Steve, but it was one of your other cronies that used to go with you guys who used to say he couldn't tolerate the way he felt when he used and he couldn't tolerate the way he felt when he didn't. And that was me. And when and it, it's that identity that is the freedom. So um, anyway, so when I came in, all we had uh, was a literature and for today which I always think is funny because for today, I mean, we talk about, we don't use outside literature and yet for today is all about quoting outside literature, but we didn't have anybody to quote. So around about, um, uh, let's see, when was this first written? The uh, 12-step OA books, first edition was, um, I don't know, like I want to say around 1992. And when I first read step two in it, Uh, I'm going to I'm going to quote from it. It says, uh, it says, um, uh, when we look at our uh, when we look with complete honesty at our lives, we see that where eating is concerned, we have acted in an extremely irrational and self-destructive manner. Under the compulsion to overeat, many of us have done things that no sane person would ever think of doing. We have driven miles in the dead of night to satisfy a craving for food. We have eaten food that was frozen, burnt, stale, or even dangerously spoiled. We have eaten food off other people's plates, off the floor, off the ground. We have dug food out of the garbage and eaten it. We have have frequently lied about what we have eaten, lied to ourselves uh, and to others because we didn't wanna face the truth about what we do when it comes to food. We have stolen food from others, friends, family, and employers, as well as from grocery stores. We have also stolen money to buy food. We have eaten beyond the point of being full, beyond the point of being sick of eating. We have continued to overeat knowing all the while we were disfiguring and are maiming our bodies. We have isolated ourselves to eat, damaging our relationships, denying ourselves full full social lives. Because of our compulsive eating, we have turned ourselves into objects of ridicule and we have destroyed our health. Well, that's pretty intense. But when I read that, it was like, wow, how did somebody jump in my head except for the, you know, about all the things I had done. You know, driving to Oakland in the middle of the night to go to Nate's barbecue when it was there. Um, You know, no different than driving in the middle of the night to go get another bindle of cocaine. So when I first, when I started to read that, I realized even more so that you guys knew what I did. Um, when I was using, you know, um, I never considered myself sexy. I did have sex, anonymous, but it was never emotional. There was always detachment. It was a way to say a fat girl can still have sex. Um as you know, and I, I alluded to doing speed and cocaine, which did not slow down my eating. It just meant I ate faster. And I will tell you, you can be max coked and tooted and I can suck down ice cream through clenched teeth. And I did all of those things. And you guys did too. So you understood that. And I, the only way I could find that out was to be honest with another human being. And that first sponsor Um, got me to first just eat three times a day. We didn't define what it was. I just had to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we did that for a week. So I would learn what it was to put space between eating. Because once I started, I ate until I went to sleep. And I did things like I would get a half a cake and I would slice it into thin strips and then get up off the couch. That was my exercise. Get off off the couch, walk into the kitchen, get it, and then go back. Um, So she first taught me how to how to um, eat three times a day and put some life in the middle or just vibration. That wasn't about, I hate myself. I hate myself. I hate myself, but just like, Oh my God, get me through this. Um, And then we started to refine what it was and I could identify what I was eating. That was uh, driving the compulsion. What are those substances that once I put them in my mouth, um, I'm going to obsess about it until I fix that. And nothing else, nothing else matters. Then um, there was a book that came out called Abstinence. And this book says like kind of it's like stories that weren't in Lifeline, but just stories. And um, this book was published in 1994. Um, And then they came out with a second edition where they changed up the stories a bit. But they kept the same story that I'm going to quote from. Uh, in it, which I was very happy about. And the story is uh, called, It Works If You Work It. And to me, the way this writer writes, it's like people who quote um, addict, alcoholic, Dr. Addict, alcoholic, or acceptance is the answer, as it's called now. This hit me that same same way. That's, that story in the big book resonates with me, but not the way this does. Um, the 12 steps and 12 traditions of overeater non, Overeaters Anonymous focuses on freedom from compulsive eating. I believe that this concept encourages us us not only to eliminate behaviors such as binging, eating certain foods, or eating at certain times and places, but also to eliminate all of those behaviors that tend to lead us into compulsive eating and those that allow us to find comfort in food, be it excess or not. Two minutes, two minutes. Okay, so so then there's a couple paragraphs. As long as, and here's where it breaks it down. As long as I'm overweight, I'm eating more food than my body needs. And if I'm eating more than I need, I am overeating. Simple overeating leads to compulsive overeating, which can lead me right out of the program. And some of us who have left the program never find their way back. And then- I want to finish with something in the big book, which is my absolute favorite story. And if it puts me over a minute or two, too bad. (laughs) Anyway, the story is called The Keys of the Kingdom, and I change it to The Keys of the Queendom. AA, and I'll change it, I'll change it to, you can do the changing, uh, is not a plan of recovery that can be finished and done with. It's a way of life. And the challenge, the challenge contained in its principles is great enough to keep any human being striving for as long as she lives. We do not, cannot, but grow this plan. As arrested compulsive overeaters, we must have a program for living that allows for limitless expansion and not in the waste. Keeping one foot in front of the other is essential for maintaining our arrestment. Others may idle in a retrogressive groove without too much danger, but retrogression can spell death for us. However, this isn't as rough as it sounds, as we do become grateful for the necessity that makes us toe the line, and we find that we are compensated for consistent effort by the countless dividends we we receive. A complete change takes place in our approach to life. Where we used to run from responsibility, we find ourselves accepting it with gratitude that we can, su- can successfully shoulder it. Instead of wanting to escape some perplexing problem, we experience the thrill of challenge in the opportunity it affords us uh, in the application of OA's techniques, and we find ourselves tackling it with surprising vigor. The last 15 years of my life, 32 I'll put in for me, have been rich and meaningful. I have had my share of problems, heartaches and disappointments because that's life. But also I have known a great deal of joy and peace. That is the handmaiden of an inner freedom. I have a wealth of friends and with my OA and AA friends, an unusual quality of fellowship. For to these people, I am truly related. First, through mutual pain and despair, and later through mutual objectives and newfound faith and hope. And as the years go by, working together, sharing our experiences with one another, and also sharing a mutual trust, understanding, and love, without strings, without obligations, we acquire relationships that are unique and priceless. There is no more aloneness with that awful ache so deep in the heart of every compulsive overeater that nothing before could ever reach it. That ache is gone and need never return. Now there is a sense of belonging, of being wanted and needed and loved. In return for a pint of booze or ice cream and a bad hangover, we have been given the keys to the queendom. Thank you, Louis.